0: Welcome back to the Iris Paradise Podcast. On today's episode, we have Brian Carew. He is a registered respiratory therapist, a movement coach, and has 700 hours of registered yoga training. He's passionate about discovering the layers of the body's vast movement potential, as well as he believes that each of us have the ability to unlock precise depths and self-awareness through exploration of the landscapes of the moving human body. Brian combines his training in yoga and a various movement modalities to create a genuine experience of self-discovery and joy for his students in a safe and balanced environment. Brian emphasizes balance, strength, mobility, and play in his teaching and practices.
1: I work part time at a hospital, but today I had the day off, so I uh, got up, did a little run, uh, did some movement, did some writing, ate some food. It's pretty good.
0: So, what do you actually do as a respiratory uh, therapist?
1: Therapist there. Yeah, it's like um, it's like imagine like an anesthesiologist light. Like I can't administer drugs, no. but I'm like an airway expert. So, airway and mechanical ventilation. So, when I worked in ICU, uh, I did that for two years at Vancouver General Hospital. And I uh, did a lot of mechanical ventilation, so like the life support machines, inserting artificial airways, maintaining art- artificial airways, taking care of patients uh, after surgery. Um, and then a lot of like um, checking up on patients who have like trache- tracheostomy tubes on the wards or if they're on a certain amount of oxygen on the wards and kind of like, or like the, um, oh, what's that saying? Like, we like put out fires in the hospital. Like when shit's going down for a patient, usually the respiratory therapist comes to assess them and make sure they have oxygen and then bring in like the code team or the other team and be like, yo, we're like the liaison for the uh, intensive care unit.
0: That must be scary sometimes.
1: It can be. Yeah. Like it's, um, when we get out of school, you go right into working ICU and like all those areas. So at first it's like, um, it's just a bit daunting, but eventually you get used to it like anything else. And you create, um, like I create a system as to how to approach certain situations. And then I usually just use that system as a a fail safe to ensure that I'm like providing the patient with adequate adequate care. care, And then I don't have to worry about missing any holes in my assessment. So once you have that in place, it's not as scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: That's crazy. Mm -hmm. So how's your schedule if you're working there? Is there any, like, are you working shifts like evenings and mornings or is it just daytime how does mm-hmm. that work out
1: yeah good question um so now i work in an extended care facility uh, and the, the primary reason was to um improve my sleep hygiene because uh, i was working 12 hour shifts days and nights so I'd do like two days two nights uh, and then i actually switched um, to like a really odd schedule because i was traveling a lot and i wanted to have like longer periods of time off mm-hmm. um, and that was just not good for my health and for my training so i went to this position which is now, um, two days and then three days, like alternating weeks, mm-hmm. um, and it's only eight-hour shift. So, oh, that's not bad at all. Yeah, it's not too bad, and it's basically the same pay and all that stuff. And I don't have to work at night. And with all that, the research coming out with like messing up your circadian rhythm and how bad that is for you, I'm very happy to have the change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: That's crazy. So with that change, is that when you kind of switched, I know you were a vegan for a while mm-hmm. and now you're a carnivore. Mm-hmm. So when did that switch happen?
1: Okay. So that, I went and tried carnivore for the first time about a, about a year ago. So 2018 oh, wow. in October. Um, yeah. So just a little over a year now. And then prior to that, I was probably vegan for, I want to say like five to six months and then vegetarian for about the same. So like maybe over a year, like mostly plant-based and then vegan for like, actually like, you know, six months or so like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, uh, sorry, the initial question, why did I switch? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like <okay. laughs> trying to like map it out. I switched, um, mostly because I noticed that like my, um, performance in, in my movement practice, um, was not as, um, explosive, um, as it was before. And, um, I just was like losing a little bit of lean muscle mass, like from, I, did, I didn't have like a DEXA scan or anything like that, but that's what I was concluding on my own and then just some digestive issues like I was like a little bit more bloated than usual and I found it really hard to acquire like the amount of protein that I wanted to um, get on a macronutrients level when um, comparing like c- carbs and, and, and fats and stuff like that I just mm-hmm. found the like I was doing if it fits your macros at that time with a vegan diet and it was just more difficult than I wanted it to be <laughs>
0: so how is it when you went vegetarian
1: Uh, vegetarian was like pretty fine Um, like the whole reason I did it is because at the time I was um, deep into um, yoga trainings like I was doing um, I did like a 200 hour and then I got invited to do another 200 hour in Bali and did that and then I did another 500 or 300 hour in Peru and I was um, yeah it was like it was (laughs) a great experience and like lots of travel and the guy who was doing all the the philosophy his name is uh, Govinda Devdas And he's like a true bhakti yogi and a a bhakti yogi, someone who um, practices like devotion um, to God through their practice. And as opposed to like um, yoga asana is more like Mm -hmm. um, or I guess like the Ashtanga lineage is like achieving enlightenment through the asana practice, whereas Mm -hmm. theirs is like through like singing and and um, doing mantra and stuff like that. And he was a really, really intelligent and had a really deep understanding of the uh, Vedic script and knowledge. And I was like really moved by that. And um, ahimsa is one of the um, uh, uh, yamas, I believe, or niyamas, mm-hmm. I can't remember which one. And I just was like really into the philosophy and thought maybe I should try this, you know, on an ethical standpoint, maybe it'll help to like elevate my, <laughs> my soul. <laughs> and then, um, you know, kind of like confirmed some biases looking into like, oh man, meat is terrible. Look at all these factory farms and look at all the like the vegan stuff that's, being pushed out there, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna try this, and um, yeah, and then I tried it for a while.
0: That's nuts. So, how did you actually feel when you were on your vegetarian diet? Because you're still mm-hmm. able to like eat meat, eggs, everything like that. Did you feel more satiated, more energy back, or how did you feel then?
1: Um, I mean, when I went vegetarian, I was eating mostly like I was eating quite a, a bit of vegetables and um, mostly like eggs. I cut out meat, mm-hmm. um, so I was still eating like um, eggs and then some dairy, and it wasn't like too difficult of a transition, um, but I did notice like more when like I was going uh, like strict vegan and not having any animal products, because mm-hmm. um, I, my protein sources, uh, instead of being eggs now and having the, um, the fat from the eggs was mostly like fermented um, soy, so like tempeh, um, and like other soy products, what else was I having for protein, some uh, forms of like uh, protein powder and stuff like that, so... It's a little more processed, I would say. So, um, but yeah, I just noticed more issues <laughs> with the digestion.
0: <laughs> it's a lot yeah. of digesting that you have to do. Um, so how yeah. do you feel now that you've been on the carnivore diet? How's that journey been?
1: Um, it's been, I'll, I'll be completely transparent. The whole year has been lots of ups and downs, but there's many variables. Like I have been, um, healing and, and getting over, um, uh, bulimia, uh, wow. that I've had for a couple of years. I kind of started with binge eating and, and developed into bulimia. So that, um, was like kind of making it very hard for me to stick to carnivore. But, um, I think, so the past mm, little over a month now I've been quite strict, and I've seen more benefits in this past month than uh, than previous trials because I haven't had a pitching episode in over two months, and um, I've just been more on the ball with it. And I notice like a lot of mental clarity. I'm never, I never feel like I'm bloated. Mm-hmm. I never feel like, like I can eat a large amount of food. Um, what some people would feel or look at and say like, oh my gosh, like, how did you eat that, Mm -hmm. you know, two pound steak? Like I can eat a two pound steak and feel like ready to move around afterwards. Oh, nice. Um, I don't need to eat as frequently. Um, and I just feel like consistent energy throughout the day for the most part, as Mm -hmm. long as my sleep is okay. As long as I don't mess with that, then, um, then it feels pretty good and consistent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So can I ask when you Mm -hmm. had those bulimic episodes, Mm -hmm. did you like, thrive more or grab carbs or was it still like just having more meats because oh, yeah. you are a carnivore, or how did you go with that
1: it was definitely like <laughs> processed like <laughs> carb like high carb like just the the worst foods out there i don't can i swear on this <laughs> <laughs> of course. Like it was just shit food man like any any crappy food you can imagine like ice cream pizza donuts um yeah it was yeah anything like that but mostly like bad foods uh or like uh process like junk foods you know uh, quote unquote
0: (laughs) (laughs) so what changed from like say the last 11 months to now in the last month like did you find a new group or Mm -hmm. how did that change happen that you're now consistent
1: uh so i mean ever since i realized that i was bulimic um like when i started having like binging episodes or like um throwing up i've i put forth the intention of of stopping, you know, like, okay, I'm going to stop this. And over the year I got to so many low points where I would like say I was going to stop and then it would happen again and say, Mm we're just going to stop and happen again. And I think that just happened so many times, um, that I got to the point where, um, the urge to eat food and the excitement from eating that bad food, I, I knew what it would feel like Mm -hmm. afterwards. And, um, after just so many times exposing to it, I gathered the strength to be like, like, when I do get an urge now, I'm like, I know that it's not going to be, sat- like, ultimately satisfying, and I know that if I stick to what I'm doing now, it'll be a lot, a lot more rewarding, and it just took me a long time to learn that lesson, and, um, yeah, I think, like, I mean, I reached out to friends, and, you know, like, mm-hmm. letting people know what's going on, and, like, trying different dur- journaling techniques, and tried different things, um, but I think ultimately that's what got me through. And then knowing, like, even though when I would, like, fail again and again, I would just tell myself, like, you will one day get out of this. Yeah. And, like, believing that. Yeah.
0: Can I ask what got you in there in the first place?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it's probably, uh, like, weightlifting culture and, like, mm-hmm. um, aesthetic. Like, the male aesthetic um, weightlifting culture and fitness culture. Because when I was younger, I, uh, I got really obsessed with being, like, You know, very muscular and like big and like wanting to be like that. So I started working out, and it was always hard for me to gain weight. Like I was never a big, um, you know, big kid or even like an adult. Being an adult, I'm still like a pretty small guy, relatively. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so years of just, like, obsessing over my body image, and then trying to eat more, I got convinced I had to, like, eat a certain amount, so I started, like, basically force-feeding myself when I was in my early 20s, mm-hmm. and that kind of changed the way that, like, must have stretched my stomach or something like that, and I started fasting, like, intermittent fasting a long time ago before it was, like, the big rave that it is now, probably, like, close to 10 <laughs> years ago, <laughs> and yeah, I just always have been really kind of obsessed about food when I think about it, and then, um, you know, like, in weightlifting culture or bodybuilding culture, there's like cheat meals. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, every Saturday. <laughs> straight up. I think that's what, I think that's what really did it was the cheat meals. Cause like I'd have these, like my one friend and I, we would have these cheat meals that were just like, they shouldn't have it, probably like anywhere from the range of like five to 8,000 calories just in a sitting. And you don't think much of it. Cause you're like, Oh yeah. All these other like fit guys are doing it but that created a mindset where it was like feast or famine and I was always just like wondering when was the next time I could eat some shitty food Mm. and I could not get my my head outside of the idea that like I need that like I was just waiting for it you know what I mean um yeah so I think that's what did it It it's just like over time built and built and built you know having these binges and these cheat meals and then one time I was just ate too much and I've always been able to make myself throw up like on Mm -hmm. command like it just it's very always been very easy for me as a kid (laughs) and one time I was like I'm way too full I'm just gonna throw up this like it makes sense yeah and then I like did that a few times and I was like oh I think this is bulimia and yeah
0: so it just turned into a habit kind of every time you've eaten too much that you just purged basically
1: yeah basically and then like the f- after the couple times that I tried it the first time, I would get into a headspace if I ate too much or if I ate shitty food, where I was like, "I don't want this effect. I don't want this to affect my body." Mm-hmm. And I was doing, and I have been doing, and I've done a lot of research on, um, you know, the the mal effects of certain foods, and it, that would start to get into my head. And I was like, "I need to get this out of my body." So I would like eat some shitty food, and then my mind would go crazy, and I'd be like, "No, I can't have this in me," and I just throw it up, oh, and just wow. get rid of it. Yeah.
0: So how are you standing now like do you mm-hmm. find that you still have episodes where like I kind of want to do it but um you know what it's not beneficial to my body or
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um you know as of late I will say like um it's been really easy and I haven't had like anything um which is super <laughs> That's awesome yeah really good. <laughs> it's just like I haven't really had any cravings like I can very easily be around you know like junk food or processed food and it doesn't bother me at all and I'm still try- reflecting on like what was that huge switch. Cause it is a huge thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't, f- it doesn't feel like, um, it wasn't like I was hit with some like giant change. Like it wasn't that noticeable, but I don't know what it is. Like, I just don't have, um, um, that much urge to, to like seek those things out anymore. Mm-hmm. And when it does come up in my mind, when I'm like, Ooh, like that, like donut would be satisfying. It's almost like immediately I'm just like, no, it wouldn't like, you know what it tastes like. Yeah. I've been there tons of times before. I'm like, I don't really want that. And then it's just over yeah
0: that's incredible so what would you say was like the biggest trigger point for you to be like hey today i'm gonna stop Mm -hmm. and like what would you tell somebody or yourself two years ago of hey these are the things i can do today to make it better or easier to not do it again
1: yeah good question um i think so if someone is suffering from like eating disorder Mm -hmm. you need to understand that And i I think that it comes from a place of emotion more than it comes from a place of physiology if you're like if you're physically needing more calories and you're like nutrient deficient that is one thing and um i mean that could be a mental component too because you're not eating enough thinking that you look a certain way like body dysmorphia but i think coming to the root cause and understanding why is it that you are eating in this fashion and why do you have this relationship with food and I had to sit with myself and realize that, like, food, and it wasn't just food. It was like getting high from cannabis, watching shows, isolating myself, doing this at night. It was mm-hmm. a combination that created an environment that made me feel safe.
0: Wow.
1: It's like so eating was like a, a part of the orchestra that made me feel like I could. Um, I don't know. It just made me feel safe for some reason. That mm-hmm. whole action of doing it, and um, and uh, yeah, understanding that was the first step of of getting out of it. It was like, okay, this is not something that's my body needs. It's something Mm -hmm. that like mentally I'm going to as a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. So then the next step was like, what is triggering me to feel unsafe? And then what um, ways can I, how can I be aware of it? And then when I am aware of it, what can I do about it? Like, do Mm -hmm. I just sit with it or do I act upon it? Or how do I uh, treat this like inner child? That's kind of like having a temper tantrum Mm -hmm. and treat it with um, something constructive as opposed to the food. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: How long did it take you to, like, actually tell somebody what was going on? Or did you just Mm -hmm. keep it inside until recently?
1: Um, I think, well, it's interesting because, like, my friend Josh, who's been one of my closest friends for um, over, like, 10 or has it been 20 years now? Long time. (laughs) It's been a long time. (laughs) Since high school. So maybe not 20 years. But anyways, um, we've had this, like, kind of almost... Um, relationship where we enable each other when it comes to eating because yeah. we were both like trying to be aesthetically pleasing and that whole journey I explained about weightlifting uh, so he kind of always knew we always knew that the other each other had a poor relationship with food yeah. and we enabled each other and not like being like yo man we should not do this anymore yeah. um, but the the bin or like the bulimia like I yeah I told people like like Josh and like some other people and didn't really have a problem with that but the issue was I would not like let's say i would like let's say i told you like yeah. oh yesterday i had an episode and then i'd have like four more episodes and just not tell anyone wow and then i would like haven't like i'd randomly tell people but i'd get so guilty i'd be like okay yeah i'm gonna get better and then i would fall again and get so guilty that i was like i don't i just want to forget that one happened i just not gonna bring it up let's just you know like try I'm to sorry. erase it somehow yeah. so that was the hardest part is like you know, like letting someone fully in and telling them exactly like when you're struggling or like when you you had intention and it fell through. Mm -hmm. uh, That was probably the hardest part. Yeah.
0: Hey, everyone. I just want to tell you about a quick product that I use in my nightly ritual. It's called Rishi. Rishi is an incredible product. If you find that you're having a hard time tuning down or falling asleep, as well as waking up really refreshed, The benefits of reishi is that it is an immunomodulator. What that means is, if you are too stressed, it will calm you down, and if you're too calm, it'll pep you up a little bit, and really give you a lot of health benefits. The benefits of forzigmatic is that they dual extract their mushrooms, which means they hot water extract and alcohol extract. The mushroom, and it brings out different compounds within, and it is more bioavailable to your body. I will link them down below for your ten percent discounts, so enjoy. Uh, did it affect your relationships at all, or mm-hmm. not so
1: Ah uh, yeah, I mean, at the time i was uh, I was seeing like it's almost like a four person relationship. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little complicated. Um, I don't know. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so it can be um I mean this can be another topic of conversation but I was <laughs> I was seeing a woman who was married mm-hmm. and then another woman um um and then they ended up being are um befriending each other
0: is this when you were polyamorous or mm-hmm. okay, okay or like in a polyamorous just, yeah, relationship okay. yeah <laughs> yes
1: yeah, so we should label it so it has some <laughs> some context <Yeah. laughs> what she is was this married uh <laughs> yeah he knew and then like he was been kind a of part of the relationship too so it was okay. like kind of four people involved and at the time it was like i mean i guess because i'm not like with one person and mm-hmm. not like we're like you know in each other's life primarily there is like a little bit of leeway But there is definitely what I noticed is that I would, if I was on edge or there's something that triggered me, Mm -hmm. I would find ways to escape social interaction Mm because like isolating myself and like eating was, I got like such a dopamine hit out of it. It was so exciting. So it would affect my relationships in that way. And it it started to affect my work poorly and my performance and my training Mm -hmm. because I would end up spending like, most of the night up, like, sometimes I would be up to, like, three or four in the morning oh, wow. um, and then, like, throwing up and, and then sometimes just, like, not getting proper sleep or whatever and uh, that's when I started to notice, like, like I had a couple episodes before, maybe, like a, like, a photo shoot or something like that or, like, an event and I was just, like, the next, that day, like, I'm there and no one knows but inside I'm just, like, feeling, like, so shitty and, like, w- you know, worried about what I did last night, trying mm-hmm. to focus on what's happening in, in the present, so... Um yeah I guess it it allowed me to kind of like pull myself away from certain relationships and not let people in completely so when I was in pain I was like ah oh, this isn't their problem like they shouldn't have to deal with it so it was kind of like creating me having a at arms length relationship with everyone yeah
0: So do you find that now that you're journaling so much, you're kind Mm -hmm. of taking those emotions more into your booklet instead of expressing them? Because it's probably not easy to like still let everybody in and just change that habit, right?
1: Yeah, it's, um, I mean, journaling's helped a ton. And um, Mm -hmm. I explained to people that like uh, my journaling practice is like part of my external like acting practice. Mm -hmm. So I like write about what I'm doing and then I set intention for what I'm doing and then I act those things out. And then I look back and see, like, like for example, I do, like, a, a to-do to do list mm-hmm. every day, and um, I look at it afterwards, and I look at what I did, and then what I didn't do, and then after a week or so, I start to look at, like, what are some things that I keep planning on doing and never doing? Maybe That's I should right. just drop that, yeah. you know, And uh, or what are some things that I continuously do really well? Um, so, yeah, that whole process has helped me to see, like, what my ideas are versus what I'm actually acting out mm-hmm. and then have a better relationship with just, um, you know, goal setting and, and having realistic expectations of myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So what would you say is one of the best things or the one thing that you do most consistent?
1: mm What do I do most consistent? <laughs> <laughs> Cook steak. <laughs> I mean, in, get, in regards to like a personal growth practice right now, what's actually been really consistent is my newsletter, um, oh, nice. which has been super dope. Cause I've, Like even as a content creator, like, you know, the struggle of making things consistently. And I've always found posting on Instagram has been like fairly easy, but doing something with more substance has been very difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's been like last week was the 14th week of producing the newsletter and and just like keeps growing and it's helped me more than I anticipated it would. And yeah, so that's been very consistent for the past while.
0: That's amazing. So Mm -hmm. what's the newsletter usually about?
1: Um, There's kind of two components. Uh, One component is something called My Big Three. And it's like a it's like a weekly goal setting challenge. Mm -hmm. I just uh, put like three goals that I would like to accomplish for the week. And then I describe like what how I'm going to pursue that or how Mm -hmm. I imagine it will go. And then I usually do a blurb on something that was relevant from the week. Like last week, I spoke about um, a subject of Uh, movement in its relation to content creation and the creative process Mm -hmm. and this is something i'm going to speak at at a a, a photography conference um in a couple of weeks so i thought it was like yeah yeah (laughs) i was like super this this makes sense i might as well like write about it right (laughs) um and then uh, the last part is like setting the goals for the next week so and then usually i have like i mean i work with some brands so usually i like um put in some stuff i'm like okay this is my aura ring like statistics or this is my goals for sleep or like these are the shoes that i like wore on this adventure and like stuff like that
0: mm-hmm. so how did you actually find the aura ring to be with your sleep especially on a carnivore diet mm-hmm. a lot of the times you hear hey if you don't have carbs it's really hard to sleep mm-hmm. how did you find your sleep ever since being on carnivore
1: yeah it's so there's there's a few variables <laughs> <I just laughs> <stopped there>. yeah <laughs> um i sleep i i'd say like isolating the aura ring for its own on its own like just using the aura ring on its own has been very helpful for my sleep like just being aware of like there's certain things that i've deduced from using it like i get all of my REM sleep in the last like two stages of my sleep cycle Mm -hmm. so and then i don't get much REM sleep if i don't if i'm not in bed for like around eight hours oh wow so just knowing that alone i'm like okay like i have to be in bed for like this long i'm gonna get most of my REM at the end of the sleep cycle um yeah. And this like finding out routines about what time I usually go to bed and like it's been able it's been pretty helpful to hack. But um, I haven't paid extreme attention to like my sleep on carnivore, but I mm-hmm. don't have any troubles really falling asleep um, on carnivore versus like eating carbs at night. That's a good thing to, to bring up, though, because I never mm-hmm. thought about that. But, yeah, I've heard some people having issues, especially with like fasting mm-hmm. and like the carnivore diet is kind of like almost a fasting mimicking in the sense of like the high ketone levels are potentially high yeah Mm -hmm.
0: so do you find you're sleeping properly like eight hours of sleep like you know how sometimes they say if you have high blood uh, blood sugar or if you're hypoglycemic, sometimes around two three you'll really get that spike and it wakes you up Mm. now being on keto Mm -hmm. uh, do you find that you ever wake up during that time or not really
1: no, I don't ever consciously or very solemnly <laughs> do I know that I'm awake. Yeah, I do on average spend 30 to like 50 minutes awake. Mm-hmm. So uh, like, um, like I probably wake up a couple times in the night to move around mm-hmm. and the ring records that, um, which is another interesting thing because if I'm in bed for eight hours, I'm, I'm probably only getting about seven hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so I take that in consideration. But no, I don't ever wake up in the middle of the night very infrequently. But I think that's more because like I've always had like I've always found it easy to fall asleep I've always found awesome. it easy to stay asleep so I think I don't know genetically or, or otherwise like <laughs> I've always been set up for good sleep um but yeah I haven't noticed too much I I will say though that if you're doing a long fast or when I've done long fast I do notice a difference in falling asleep it's harder like I'm wired um like when I get usually past like the 24 hour mark anywhere mm-hmm. around there or the 30 hour mark it's like it's hard to settle down. You can feel like the, the boost of energy from the, the in ketone levels.
0: Would you say you're more energetic or antsy?
1: I'd say I'm just more like, um, like more focused. Like there's Mm. like a clear line of, of, um, a focus and I wouldn't say energetic because I feel you can get like if i go for a run when i'm like 24 36 or 48 hours into a fast mm-hmm. i get exerted pretty easily but i my ability to converse with people or my ability to just like hone in on ideas is like <laughs> spot on like it's just you feel like you're like like you've just like <laughs> dialed into something <laughs> like there's that's no awesome. fog like the fog yeah. is cleared it's like imagine a foggy day and then it's just like ah. that's that's what's like <laughs> that works yeah so do
0: you have like a bedtime routine or is it just like you know what i just lay down and i pass out
1: no i i now in my getting older i'm not like super old <laughs> 27. Um, But, you know, getting close to 30. Um, And now I have to have a routine. Before, I could just, like, hit the pillow. But now I find if I want to have the best sleep, um, usually I try to, like, put my phone away or put, like, interactions away, like, 30 minutes before. Mm -hmm. And, like, at 45 or an hour before, I'll try to, like, stretch a little bit, like, either do some breathing. Uh, Sometimes I just, like, look at my journal and, like, things that I've done and, like, review some things or some reading. But just... Just something in bed or something that's quiet. Like I have a red light. So I just sit in front of my red light. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: actually about the red light, what mm-hmm. benefits have you seen so far?
1: Um, so I noticed that if I have like a sore body part or sore muscle, mm-hmm. if I do lay with it um, in comparison to not using it, that the soreness or the irritability goes away. Um, I've used it for like my wrists because uh, I am on my hands quite a bit. And mm-hmm. I find that, um, just subjectively, like not measuring diligently. I haven't had any wrist issues in the past few months. And I've had, I've seen a big boost in my, in my, um, deep sleep. And that could be, that's multi, um, or the causes could be uh, a few things, like, because I also supplement with CBD as well, and Mm. there's, maybe that's it, but (laughs) there's some people who say, like, oh, yeah, I use the red light, and I see a way big difference in my deep sleep, Mm -hmm. and I have consistently, like, really, really long periods of deep sleep, like, usually an hour and a half, maybe two hours a night. Mm -hmm. So
0: how long have you been using the red light for?
1: Mm, How long has it been? Several months now. I want to say maybe a little bit before the summer, probably, like like, anywhere from four to six months
0: okay and how long do you Mm. usually use it for if you have like an injury or something sore
1: Mm -hmm. i'd say routinely i use it for like 15 to 20 minutes a day like 10 minutes at night 10 minutes in the morning um and then if i have an injury i'll like lay with the light on the spot for like maybe 10 or so minutes 10 15 it's just a spotlight like Mm -hmm. it's not like a huge stack that usually people see like advertised so it takes a lot more time like i have to like move it around my body but um, usually I'm just like pointing it at my back, or sometimes like my throat. Yeah. They say it's good to get it like on the um the thyroid and stuff like that. Yeah. And I don't know. I've experimented with other areas. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard stories of <laughs> placing the light on other areas is beneficial for I'm certain hormones. You're following Ben Greenfield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've I've heard of him. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll try this. Why not?
0: <laughs> Have you seen any difference or no?
1: It's really hard to measure that. I mean. <laughs> I wish I had some access to a lab. Oh man, I would be like Mm -hmm. taking my blood work all the time, but it's surprisingly hard. I've actually had, um, like my testosterone levels and like LFH, I think it's called or or like, um, all those hormones that are related to, um, hormonal production tested, but it was like pulling teeth from a doctor. He's like, why do you want this? Have you ever done steroids before? Are you planning <laughs> to take steroids? I was like, dude, I just want to see what's up.
0: <laughs> well, it's what a lot of people do, especially like in the weightlifting world, right? Steroids yeah. is such a big thing, mm-hmm. especially when like libido goes down or anything like that. That's the first thing that the doctor says is like, yeah. what's your circadian rhythm or your sleep cycle more so like, and then are yeah. you on test? Are you on anavar? What are you on? Yeah. And I then it's just a cycle of let's put you on something just to get you off of it, which really doesn't work
1: yeah it's i mean that whole rabbit hole it's interesting like i think that hormonal therapy has a place Mm -hmm. if there is to be more random controlled trials done because obviously it can do things and there is we know that in elderly population like the reduction in estrogen for example is a contribution to i believe like osteoporosis and other Mm -hmm. comorbidities and same thing with men and the reduction of testosterone but we have no idea what it does to people per se and we have no idea the doses and we don't know what like genetically it's like how it's going to um, change things. Cause some people mm-hmm. can do like cycle after cycle and not seem to have any sort of mal effects. And then one person can do like, you know, what would be as a, a moderately or low cycle and then they're mm-hmm. hormonally screwed for the rest of their life. So we need to understand these, these, uh, these medicines a little bit more before we start using them. I think.
0: A yeah. lot of the times, even when you talk with like bodybuilders or anybody in the weightlifting field, a mm-hmm. lot of them do have like, very poor sleeping habits, just because they are waking up at four in the morning doing their fasted yeah. cardio, and <laughs> then it's yeah. like a d- let's do a weight session, and let's do it six times a week, and yeah. it's just like a cycle of like not being satisfied mm-hmm. aesthetically, and then also not sleeping properly. So like you're not going to sleep secreting your own hor- growth hormones, mm-hmm. but you're taking exogenous ones. So it's like there's a no win situations for those people.
1: Yeah, that's actually such a good point, and I think that. It's uh, like this is an opportunity for us and like other people to step back and look at, um, well, first, like not comparing yourself because Mm -hmm. the industry and what you've just outlined is I think is something that's pretty common practice. Like I think there's a lot of people that are on substance that aren't admitting to it. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at that industry and you look at those people and you aspire to do that, you don't realize like what they're sacrificing and what you know, crazy lengths they're going through in order to achieve when they only show you like this sliver of the <laughs> spectrum of their life. Picture yeah. Up their ass. Yeah. They're like, look at like, look what I can do. But then you don't see them yet. Like getting up at four in the morning for fasted cardio and then pushing the pendulum so far that you're like, is this healthy anymore? Like, is this sh- what sh- we should be aspiring to for health? Like, I'm not sure. It's getting confusing.
0: (laughs) Well, that's the funny part that people look to Olympians and bodybuilders and all these people that have achieved like Mm -hmm. crazy levels Mm -hmm. that that's their level of health. But at the end of the day, when you have to go to those extremes, that's Mm. not health anymore. Yeah, I agree. And like to get there as well as a mindset to be like, hey, maybe I don't have to have a six pack and have a healthy baby. Like Mm -hmm. maybe that's more important. Like, hey, how's my sex drive? Maybe mm. that's more important than like just being shredded. Yeah. But that's not what Instagram or Facebook wants you to see or show.
1: It's true. It's true. And that's exactly it. It's like understanding and having like a reverence in yourself to be like, I am healthy and I don't need to look this certain way to feel worthy. Mm -hmm. And then actually knowing what it is that is making you feel upset. It's like, oh, I'm not upset because I'm not healthy. I'm upset because I don't look like this person. Oh, how can I, (laughs) you know? Okay, that's, it's a different problem, right? So different solution. But yeah, I think there's, there's a gray area. There's like a blurring in between like health and then like Mm -hmm. peak performance. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be incredibly high performing. Like if you want to pursue that, I mean, I understand that, too, because I Mm -hmm. want to be like a master of of my craft as well. And you have to sacrifice things for that for sure. But uh, just know that I don't think that's like like you're going to sacrifice either parts of your body or parts of your health to some degree if you're willing to go to like those great lengths. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that doesn't have to necessarily happen. (laughs) Right. Like you can be a healthy person and not be like doing crazy shit all the time.
0: (laughs) Very true. (laughs) So if there's three things in the world that you would recommend to anybody that's listening today what Mm. would those three things be
1: Ooh, like anything like practice (laughs) practice
0: nutrition (laughs) okay
1: yeah well i mean i would say like movement would be number one Uh, mostly because we're so set up to be a sedentary like uh society and community Mm -hmm. of people but in not just movement but how can you uh invite movement as a lifestyle Mm -hmm. and not like how can you be a crazy mover? How can you do handstands? (laughs) Like, how can you like, okay, I can walk to the store instead of drive. I can like play with my kids on the ground for half an hour instead of inviting the, you know, the, I don't know, babysitter over. Like all of that's movement. Like just like playing on the grass for a moment. I don't know what it is. I'm thinking of weird examples, but just how can you invite (laughs) more movement into your life? Like how can you create a situation where you're touching the ground more often, spinning around, dancing, playing and all that stuff. So that'd be number one. There's way too, t- way too many opportunities to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> um, number two would just be like, know why you're doing something. Know why you're doing something and then be curious as to how it happens. Mm-hmm. So like setting a goal and not achieving it, like failing, that's not like everyone knows it's like, oh yeah, failing, it's not a big deal. But how you failed or how you achieve the goal, if it did occur, like you did achieve the goal is more important than necessarily the goal itself because you can end up, serving a goal to the point where it does not serve you anymore mm-hmm. uh, like a classic case maybe like a 400 pound deadlift like if you're willing to do anything to get that deadlift is that really safe is it really healthy is it like mm-hmm. is it sustainable so just like
0: a slight herniated desk you know? <laughs> yeah right
1: no <laughs> big deal <laughs> yeah so it's just like why why do you why are you doing what you're doing and then like how are you doing it like <laughs> are you aware of how you're doing things mm-hmm. uh, so that'd be two um three i think it would be like how can I tie this in? I want to say something about like, like, um, questioning your own bias mm-hmm. and like questioning your own assumptions and, um, in a way that allows you to foster more like love and, and welcoming of other people. And what I mean by that is like, we all have our, our our belief systems and what we mm. think to be true and I think those can kind of get pushed on to other people and that our expectations of what we believe to be true is why we usually don't like when we look at someone and we're like uh or we look at someone and we're like ah <laughs> so like questioning that you know, <laughs> you know what I mean like we, we, we judge people it's okay I mean it's it's part of our the way our brain is developed but I think questioning that is like what makes us human like we mm. can we can be like wait like yeah that person looks pretty nasty or whatever it is like but I don't know who they are, I don't know what their story is, Mm -hmm. maybe this is an assumption, maybe it's like from my past, maybe I'm triggered because they look like someone that I didn't like from high school, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and the reason I say that is just so we can like, you know, be a little kinder to each other, Mm -hmm. you know, like maybe just have a little bit more um, open arms and um, just not think that we know what's going on all the time, because we really don't.
0: (laughs) That was very beautifully said. Thanks. So, Brian, if anybody's looking for you, uh, where can they find you?
1: Um, right now, probably the best place would be or to go would be Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at Karoo underscore movement. That's like C-A-R-E-W underscore movement. And then I do have a website, but it's just a link to my newsletter right now, <laughs> 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 which is KarooMovement.com. But yeah, check out the Instagram. you probably like that awesome. the most. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you for having you on the show today.
1: Yeah, thanks for the time. This is really, really great. Thanks for letting me uh, rant. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, yeah.